Mark chapter 3. And in the gospel of today, the people, they grumble against the Lord. And they said, He has Beelzebub, and by the ruler of the demons, he cast out demons. And so, and just for your background, Beelzebub was the name of a Philistine god. So the name of a Philistine god that was mentioned in Second Kings. If you go back to the time of the Second Kings, you'll find this, this Beelzebub. And it means like Lord of the Flies, maybe you've heard of Lord of the Flies. But in the context that it was used was that they were calling the Lord of Lords, they were calling the Lord Jesus Christ a devil. And if you look at the previous part of the chapter to try to understand why they called the Lord the devil, you'll find that in the previous part of the chapter, what the Lord had done was He came into the, the temple and there was a man with a withered hand. And they asked him, and he asked them, is it okay to heal this man? And they couldn't answer because they didn't want to say yes or no. And then he, the Lord Jesus Christ was very grieved at the hardness of their hearts and he healed the man on the spot. And then after that, they went to a different place and it says that they were casting out, the Lord was casting out so many demons. It says that the unclean spirits, whenever they saw Him, they fell down before Him and cried out saying, You are the Son of God. But He sternly warned them that He should not make them known. And I think one of the sad ironies that you see in the Gospel of today is that it's actually the devils were telling the truth. <laughs> the devils, they were saying... You are the Christ, the Son of God. But then the people, they were the ones saying, You are from the, like from Beelzebub. And this, I think, I think there's an important lesson here, is that the devil has no power in front of the presence of God. But he does have some sort of influence when he is veiled and in the shelter of an uncommitted heart. If someone is uncommitted to the Lord, the devil can go in and then start to make really weird accusations or really accusations against the Lord. To this person, the uncommitted heart, the devil comes in and makes himself comfortable and then he has like a command center and then he can start to launch like attacks against uh, against the Lord Jesus Christ. This reminded me of someone, like imagine someone who is very shy to interact in person, but then through like like text message, they can be very outgoing and be very... They could even insult you and they could do many things, not in front of you, but through a medium. I think this is sort of the same way the devil works. The devil can't stand in the presence of God, but what he can do is sort of he gets infiltrates into the hearts of the the uncommitted people, and then he can make them say, oh no, he's actually Beelzebub. And that's why it's very important we don't make any room in our hearts for the devil. The devil's always seeking such a shelter, and and in the gospel of today it talks about the heart being like, or the devil being a strong man. And the strong man is the devil, and he takes residence in the heart. But thankfully, we have someone who is stronger than the strong man who can come in and bind up the strong man and cast him out of the house. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. I think the devil in the heart is sort of like ISIS. Like ISIS, like the devil's like a terrorist. He comes into the heart and he launches terrorism 
in the heart. He keeps us um, in bondage. He keeps us oppressed. He keeps us tied to bad sins. And that leads me to my second point, is that he is a liar and a deceiver. And as you saw today, he can cause us to mischaracterize things. Someone who is the Lord of Lords, the God of Gods, and now you're calling him Satan? How, do you, how does that even come into the same sentence? But with the devil, he's a liar and the father of it. So he causes confusion and causes great catastrophe to occur. And that's what I think the devil's specialty is. He causes good things. Hear this. He causes good things to be considered bad. And he considers bad things to be considered okay and okay good. Like for instance, like uh, Bible reading and uh, fasting and prayer and, and liturgies. All those things you would say are good things. I hope you would say they're good things and they're very beneficial. But sometimes because the devil's manipulation, he can turn those into boring things and things that we don't, well, we can live without. Uh, why do we have to do this? And why do we have to fast? And why do we... And, uh, and then you start turning good things into not so good things. And now it's boring and we don't need this stuff. And then on the contrary, all the bad things... Think about all the bad things, all the sins, all the, the arguments, the bitterness, the pride, the drugs, the alcohol, all the, the like lust and all the things. Then he makes those bad things, he makes them very good. See how the devil is a manipulator. Someone very, very evil to take the good things and make them bad and the bad things that make them appear good. He starts to blur the line between what is really good for us. That's number two. The third thing that the devil does to us is he divides us. He divides us. And he separates us from the love of Christ and separates us even from one another. One of the things, we're going to have a quick math lesson right now. The Lord Jesus Christ, He came to add and multiply. The Lord Jesus Christ, when He came, He came to add and multiply. The devil, what He came to do was... Subtract and divide. Like, for example, you see the twelve disciples, the devil subtracted one. Minus one. The disciples, they added one, and then they multiplied. The Lord Jesus Christ is always seeking to multiply. When He gave His commands to His disciples, He said, Go and make disciples of all nations. Go and multiply. And even in the book of Acts, when it talks about the ministry in chapter of the apostles, it says, and the believers were increasingly added to the Lord. The sign of a healthy church, the sign of a good Christian life, is that people are being added and multiplied. The sign of a weak church is division and subtraction. This reminded me of the story of Rehoboam. I don't know if you're familiar with the story of Rehoboam. Rehoboam was the son of Solomon. The son of Solomon the king. And Solomon was the most extravagant king of Israel. And after King Solomon passed, Rehoboam took the throne. And he was kind of trying to assert himself. What kind of king am I going to be? So then he called the elders and the elders told him... Your father was a great king, but he put a very heavy yoke on us. He taxed us so heavily. 
If it would be very nice, if you want the people to love you, if you want your kingdom to stay together, you should treat, deal with them peacefully and nicely. Rehoboam took the advice, put it in his head for a second, thought about it, said, I'll, I'm going to think about it for a little bit. Let me call my friends and see what they tell me. So he called his friends together, and his young friends came to him, and they gave him very different advice. They said, huh, your father taxed them heavy, huh, give them worse. You know, I think the famous line he said, he said, uh, my finger, or your father taxed them with the finger, Make now it's like, make it like your waist, you know? So burden them, give them like, give them the worst time. So Rehoboam saw it and saw the good, thought it was good advice. He took it, went back to the elders and said, guess what? I'm going to tax the people. I'm going to oppress them. I'm going to do all these things. After he did these things, shortly after, guess what happened to his kingdom? Kingdom fell apart, division. Actually, 10 tribes, 10 out of the 12 tribes, that's 83% of his kingdom, gone. Instantly. When you take the advice of our bad counsel, it's very destructive. That's why in the Pauline epistle today, it says, I urge you, brethren, note those who cause divisions and offenses, those who are giving bad advice, those who are stumbling blocks, And he says, contrary to the doctrine that you know, you know the good doctrine, he says, what you should do to them is avoid them. Avoid them. This is the only division that's allowed. (laughs) We're going to talk about what kind that division is not allowed. This is the only one that's allowed. If someone is is a, is a stumbling block, is someone who causes divisions or causes offenses, offenses, that's someone that you should avoid. He said, my little finger shall be thicker than my father's waist. That's the expression, the nice... That's what Rehoboam said to the people, and they couldn't take it. They revolted, and he lost his kingdom. And this is what pleases the devil, is the vision. And that's why I think we have to be very careful, if you think about one of the biggest attacks that the devil is doing to society now, is dividing families. Dividing families. Starts in the unit of uh, if the spouses, divides that. If he can cause you to stumble in that one, then he'll move to the exterior family. If he can cause some problems there, then he'll move into the family of the church. That's why it's very important you don't let any room. That's why point number one was don't let any room for the devil to cause divisions in your family or in your, in your parental house, with your family, with the family of the church. That's why if you paid attention in the Catholic epistle today, it was about the unity of the family. Talked about the, this famous passage. It says, wives, likewise be submissive to your own husbands. That even if some of you do not obey the word, if, even if some of them do not obey the word, they may be won by the conduct of their wives. And it says, For in this manner in former times the holy women who trusted in God also adorned themselves, being submissive to their own husbands, as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters you are if you do good and are not afraid of any terror. But he didn't just command the husbands, he also command, or the, the wives, he also commanded the husbands, yes, he did, he said, Husbands likewise, likewise dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife. 
as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers not be hindered. And I think this is something we hear, like, for instance, later tonight there's, there's a wedding, and when this is read, or something to the effect of this is read, the first instinct of people is to, ha ha ha, and they all point, and then some of them will say, oh, this is sexist, your church is sexist. And stuff, and I find that very interesting because this is exactly what the Pharisees did today. Exactly, they took the holy laws of God, or they took they saw the Word of God Himself in the flesh, and they called Him Belzebub. And sometimes we take the holy Word of God, and sometimes we say, "This is this is sexist." Or, and I think part of that, and I've described this many times, is when we say, "Wives submit." It's not like we're saying to slave. It's not slavery. It's not slavery. We don't have slavery in like marriage. There's an, we're slaves to God, and submission is a sign of love. The church submits to Christ as a sign of love, and Christ doesn't oppress the church. Does Christ oppress the church? So husbands shouldn't oppress their their wives. It should be a sign of love, a sign of. But if you have that understanding, oh, it makes, wow, very beautiful. If you come in off the street and you've been hearing all the stuff in the media, you say, oh, this is sexism. No, it's not sexism at all. This is actually God's design for family. In the book of Proverbs, it says the ways of like wisdom, the ways of the Christian life are pleasantness and her paths are peace. The ways of the Christian life, I think, are pleasantness and peace. So think about that in your family lives. How you interact with one another. They should be full of pleasantness and peace. They must be pleasantness and peace. Because a house divided against itself cannot stand. One other meditation that I was thinking about is that when the Lord said, How can Satan cast out Satan? What does that tell you about the kingdom of Satan? It shows you that the kingdom of Satan actually is united. Because Satan cannot cast out Satan. Now, if the kingdom of Satan is united, how about the kingdom of the church? How about the kingdom of God? Is His kingdom united? Supposed to be. Supposed to be. But it's a call for each one of us to be united. We have to be, this is like a slap in the face of the work of Christ that we have. We're divided in so many ways. We're divided by denominations. We're divided by many things. uh, Ethnicity and people make all types of boundaries. But the Lord's work was never to divide people like that. Actually the work of the Lord was to multiply and to add. Always the Lord was bringing together I think uh, all of us, even as we think about like personalities, and we think about who to... Sometimes we become comfortable comfortable with the idea of, uh, these people, I can't deal with them, so... And we, and we become comfortable with the idea of putting up a facade. And I'm not saying you have to deal perfectly with everyone and that different personalities don't exist. But if that is a facade for division, then it's not acceptable. Right? It shouldn't be acceptable that you say, oh, this person has a different personality, I can't... What kind of uh, unity is that? If we're the one body of Christ, 
how does that tell me how that fits into the the one body of Christ that well, you have personalities and oh, I can't and if if something bad happens to them you're happy about it and that's not unity that's division that's strife i think all our relationships they need to be reflective of the love of god in every interaction that we have our spouses our houses our everything should be reflective of the love of christ even if like this happened to me yesterday my confession is yesterday i gave a strong word to someone on the phone and it bothered me the whole day so i texted this person i said i apologize i tried to call and apologize in person and but i said this word was not appropriate it was rude and i'm sorry forgive me i think we have to have that type of uh like you, no division you can't just go and like kidda sometimes we say things we don't mean but then you should go and apologize and it's okay and forgive because this is about unity in ephesians 4 it says be angry and do not sin if you're angry and you want to give it to someone go sit in your cell or your room and quiet down be calm and be careful that you do not sin in your anger be careful that you do not sin it says do not let the sun go down in your wrath that's the type of love that's the type of unity that we need to have so we said three things we said the devil has no power except if he has shelter in the heart of an uncommitted heart we said two he's a deceiver and a liar and he confuses the good things he makes them bad he makes the bad things to look good and the work of the devil is to divide how do we stay united we remember that whoever does the will of god these are my father my brother my sister we are united in the will of god is this is a call for us to be united in the will of if we all put the will of god in front of us and everyone has the same idea that we're all trying to reach the same destination the same place i think everybody's going to come together very nicely so call to all of us to follow in the will of in the will of god and glory be to god forever amen Oh, <laughs> my